This week, we begin what's really an entire new section in the Torah, and that's the discussion of the Mishkan, of the creating of the Mishkan, the tabernacle, um, that was going to accompany the Eden, the Jews in the desert for the next 40 years, and ultimately in, in be um, established in Eretz Yisrael, and at a later point, um, become what's really the Beis HaMikdash, the first Beis HaMikdash, and the second Beis HaMikdash, and Mirz Hashem very soon with Mashiach, the third Beis HaMikdash. But all that begins in this week's Parsha. In the beginning of the Parsha, Hashem commands Moshe to begin um, taking donations for the Mishkan. And then he says what's well, become a very famous Pasuk, Va'asuli Mikdash V'shachanti B'Saycham. That they should make for me a Mikdash, a, a sanctuary, and I will dwell amongst them. And again, and then the Parsha goes on to discuss um, how the Mishkan was built and a lot of so, so many details about the different vessels of the Mishkan, the walls and the roof. And that continues in the next Parsha. Really, the next five Parshias primarily are devoted to the making of the Mishkan. There's an interesting question and uh, differences of opinion as to the exact timing of this mitzvah that Hashem told us to build the Mishkan and when it was given over to the Jewish people. Let me explain. Um, we just had recently <coughs> the the giving of the Torah, right? In Parshas Yisrael, the Torah was given. The Torah was actually given on the sixth day of Sivan. That's when you had the Maser um, Sedibris were said by Har Sinai, the sixth day of Sivan, which we celebrate as Shavuos. The following day, Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to the mountain and he's going to spend 40 days and 40 nights learning with Hashem. And he's going to come back down uh, 40 days later um, with the first set of luchais, the first set of tablets. Um, then they have the story of the Chata Egel, the sin of the golden calf, which we didn't read yet in the Torah, actually. And he's going to break the luchais. He's then going to go back up to heaven for another 40 days in order to daven for forgiveness for the Jewish people. And then he's going to come back and tell them, basically, that they were forgiven. And then he's going to turn around and go up a third time and now it's already Rishchidesh Elul, and he's going to come, go for another 40 days and learn the Torah again and receive the second set of Luchas, and he's going to come back down on Yom Kippur. So really from Shavuos, the sixth day of Sivan, until Yom Kippur, Moshe Rabbeinu is up and down, up and down, three times in heaven for 40 days each time. So the Jewish people really have no real access to Moshe Rabbeinu for this um, period of uh, four months from Shavuos until Yom Kippur, again, because he's he's up and down, he's up and down the mountain. When Moshe Rabbeinu comes down after Yom Kippur is when he really begins teaching the Jewish people Torah, um, telling them all the mitzvahs and telling them everything Hashem taught him. That all takes place after Yom Kippur, which is again a number of months after the initial giving Torah at Sinai. Now, here's a question. When did Hashem tell Moshe the mitzvah of giving the Mishkan? of making the Mishkan, that is. And when did Moshe give that over to the Jewish people? So there's three approaches in Chazal, three approaches in the uh, authoritative um, Chazal. Um, I'm not going to go into it in detail, but in short. One approach is that Hashem taught it to Moshe when he taught him the entire Torah, which is during the first 40 days that he was up on the mountain. Right After Shavuos, he goes up, for 40 days and he studies all the Torah, one of the things he studied was the mitzvah of making a mishkan. When does he give it over to the Jewish people? 
when he comes back down after Yom Kippur, right after the third set of 40 days, and that's when he starts teaching the Torah. So that's when he gives over this special mitzvah of making a Mishkan, and they go about starting to build that Mishkan. That's opinion number one. The second opinion is that no, this was not discussed. This was not told to Moshe in the first 40 days. Rather, it was told to him on Yom Kippur, after the end of all 120 days. When on Yom Kippur, Hashem fully atones for the building of the Egel, the golden calf, then as a sign of his atonement, as a sign of his um, favor returning to the Jewish people, he gives this mitzvah of making a mishkan, and I will dwell amongst you, although you sinned and I left you, so to speak, I will dwell amongst you in the mishkan that you will create. So according to that, Hashem gives the mitzvah at Anyam Kippur, at the end of the three periods of 30 days, of 40 days, and the following day, when Moshe comes down, he gives it over to the Jewish people. That's the second opinion. The third opinion is the opinion of the Zohar, of Rav Bar Yochai, and he writes that Hashem told Moshe the mitzvah of making a mishkan on the actual day of the giving of Torah, on Shavuos. In other words, before he even went up the mountain the first time. right? Because remember, on the sixth day of Sivan, there is the giving of Torah. The next day, Moshe is going to go up the mountain and spend 40 days. Says the Zohar, on that day, the 6th of Sivan, before he even went up the mountain the first time, Hashem gives him a mitzvah. And not only that, on that day, Moshe tells the mitzvah to the Jewish people, and on that day, they begin the fundraising campaign for the Mishkan. In fact, the Zayar brings an interesting proof to that, which is that we see uh, 40 days later, the Jews are um, constructing the golden calf, the eagle. And the Pasuk says, um, where did they get gold from the eagle? So it says they used jewelry the jewelry that they had, and they made that the gold for the eagle. So the question is, why do they have to use jewelry? The Jews were wealthy. They brought along a, a lot of gold and silver from Mitzrayim, from Egypt. They had the gold and silver that they were able to receive after the splitting of the sea. Why do they have to use jewelry? Says the Zayar, because the gold and silver that they had more readily, they already gave away for the Mishkan. Because again, the Zayar is following its opinion that the mitzvah and the fundraising campaign for the Mishkan was all given on that day of the giving of Torah before Moshe Rabbeinu even went up to the mountain the first time. So to review, again, three opinions as to when this mitzvah is given. Opinion A is that the mitzvah is given during the first 40 days when Moshe is on the mountain, Hashem teaches in the mitzvah. And Moshe gives it over to the Jewish people after Yom Kippur. Opinion B, the mitzvah is given on Yom Kippur after all sets of 40 days, and then it's sold over to the Jews the next day. Opinion C is that it's given on the day of Matan Torah, on the day of Shavuos, right after they receive the Torah at Sinai, Hashem gives them the mitzvah of making a Mishkan, and immediately they start collecting the monies for the Mishkan, and that again is the opinion that the Zayhar goes by. The question is, and I'm going to focus now solely on the third opinion, the opinion of the Zayhar that Hashem gave them the mitzvah on the day of Matan Torah. The obvious question is, why? After all, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to go up to the mountain the next day, and for the next 40 days, Hashem is going to learn with him the entire Torah, with all of the mitzvahs of the Torah. Why then was this exception made, that specifically this mitzvah be given on that very day that the Ten Commandments are given? Um, and I can't wait just like all the other mitzvahs, to be given when Moshe is going to be on the mountain for 40 days. 
So the answer to this lies in a very interesting idea that the Alter Rebbe gives us in Tanya. In chapter 34, the Alter Rebbe says the following. He says that when the Jews came to Harsinai, right, you have to understand they're all hyped up. They've left Mitzrayim, they've left Egypt, and they, um, they're told that they're going to go to Harsinai and they're going to receive the Torah and meet Hashem, really. And Hashem is going to come. Um, in many ways, the day of the giving of Torah is considered or compared to a wedding between Hashem and the Jewish people. So Hashem comes to Harsinai, and the Jewish people come to Harsinai, and Hashem gives us the Aseris Adibris, and what happens? We have this tremendous, tremendous revelation of godliness in the world, and according to the Gemara, according to Osfarim, the Jews die. They can't handle it. Parchan Nishmasan, their Nishamas leave their bodies as they hear the first of the Ten Commandments. And Hashem revives them. And then Hashem says the second one of the commandments, and again, parcha nishmas, and again, their souls leave their body, and again, Hashem revives them. So it's, it's at this point that they even come to Moshe Rabbeinu, and they say, you know, you talk to Hashem. You talk to Hashem, and you give us over the Torah, because we can't handle this. The revelation is too great for us, we can't handle it. And that's what happens. The rest of the Torah, we hear from Moshe Rabbeinu, who hears it from Hashem. Um, and really, it's only those first two of the Asar Sadibris that we heard from Hashem directly. So, if you think about it, at this point, there, is a, there, there must be some, some level of uh, disappointment. Here, we, we were meant to meet Hashem. We were meant to listen to Hashem, to hear from Hashem. And it turns out that we're not at a level that we can handle Hashem. When Hashem reveals Himself, we expire. We're human beings, we're physical, and the, the ultimate revelation of godliness is something that's beyond us. It's not something that we can live with. Says the Alter Rebbe in Tanya that the mitzvah of making a mishkan came as a direct result of that. Being, Hashem says, listen, I want to dwell within you. Now, it's evident here that I can't dwell within you in this state of total revelation where you expire, where you stop existing, you stop being alive, because you have to live. You're physical people, you're meant to be that way. So we have to create a physical way for me to be able to live amongst you, for you to be able to sense me, and you should be able to exist. And that's what the mitzvah of the Mishkan was. I'm going to give you a formula. I'm going to give you um, directions, how you can create a sanctuary, so that I should be able to dwell amongst you in a way that shouldn't in any way disturb your existence, shouldn't be beyond who you are. And he goes on to give a very physical building with very, very methodical instructions. Uh, one of the things that's very, that's always hits you when you read these parshas about the, creating the Mishkan is how each instruction is so exact, exactly how the Oran had to be made and exactly how the Shulchan had to be made and the Menorah had to be made and the Mizbeach had to be made. Um, and the kir had to be made, and the walls had to be made, and the roof had to be made. Every detail, to the, to the finest detail of, of how long, and how wide, and how tall, it's all there. Hashem says, we're going to do this using very, very methodical, physical instructions. And if you follow these instructions, I'm going to dwell with you, and it won't cause you to expire as Matan Terah did. So being that the mitzvah of making the mishkan was really a response to the fact that by Matan Torah, Hashem, Hashem's revelation was too much for them. 
Now we understand that opinion of the Zohar that it was immediately on that day when the Eden experienced Matan Torah and experienced that the revelation was too great, Hashem says, okay, let's do it this way. Let's make a Mishkan and that's how I will dwell amongst you. As far as understanding how this relates to us today and what's the lesson from this, it's something very interesting. The um, Famously, Chazal say that the grammar of the Pasuk Make for me a mishkan, and I will dwell amongst them. Is that, is, um, raises a question. Seemingly, it should have said, Make for me a mishkan, and I will dwell within it. And instead, instead it says, I'll dwell amongst them. And from here they learn, That ultimately, everyone has to make their own mishkan. And ultimately, all of us have to create a way where Hashem dwells amongst us. And here we have the lesson of this idea that we just learned. There's two ways how we connect to Hashem. One is when we're extremely inspired, when there's a revelation of godliness in our souls, in our hearts. Perhaps we experience something very special and we're in a tremendous level of inspiration. Tremendous levels of inspiration and revelation are going to be short-lived and they're not going to be something that we can really incorporate and live with every day, bring into our regular day-to-day routine, because they're so tremendously inspirational, and so the great revelation, it doesn't leave room for us to conduct our day-to-day and live as human beings. So, but there are times that we are inspired, and there are times that we do sense or experience some sense of revelation. If we want that that revelation that divine revelation, that godly revelation should live within us, that's through the methodical instructions of how Hashem says, I'm going to live amongst you. And that's what the mitzvahs are. Mitzvahs are detailed, mitzvahs are physical, and mitzvahs are not necessarily vehicles of tremendous inspiration or revelation. They're the way Hashem says He's going to live with us. Every day we daven, we say the Shema. The Shema is the most basic statement of our Amunah. And the Shema starts with Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. We express our total dedication, commitment um, to Hashem. Hashem Echad, one Hashem. And we go on to say, Vahavtas Hashem Elokecha, B'chol Levavcha, B'chol Navshecha, B'chol Meidecha. To love Hashem with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our might. So we start off with this tremendous statement of faith and statement of inspiration and love and 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 love beyond anything, all our souls, all our hearts, everything, just total inspi- to- totally inspired. We immediately continue after that. Hashem says, these mitzvahs that I told you, this should be on your heart, this is what you should speak about, and he goes on to enumerate the mitzvah of tefillin, of wrapping it on your hand and your head, the mitzvah of mezuzah, putting it in your, on, on the door of your home. And you listen to all of the mitzvahs that I've given you. So here we see, Shema begins with inspiration, with Hashem Echad, a statement of total, again, total um, selfless devotion, and then love with all the levels of love that we discussed in the beginning of Shema. But it immediately turns to say that if we want that love to live within us, if we want that inspiration and revelation to live within us, it's through following the basic do's and don'ts, the instructions, how Hashem says, this is the way, the way that you're going to be able to carry on that inspiration day to day in a regular, physical, and human way. 
And this then is the, le- the lesson of Yasuli Miktash Vishakanti Besaicham that after or when we experience great levels of revelation like the giving of Torah, great levels of inspiration, the way to make Hashem dwell within us and the way to hold on to that inspiration is through creating a physical mishkan, following the instructions that Hashem gives us, by which He says that He will, he will indeed rest within us every day. Agutun Shabbos.